1: Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos Week 9 matchup as the Denver Broncos travel out east to the city of brotherly love to take on the top team in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos.
0: Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dummler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. Nick, we we both predicted a loss this last week, and uh, I'm glad the game was at least halfway close, halfway competitive, but it just it just feels like everything is pretty much snowballing out of control for this team. And it's really reached that point where kind of two weeks ago when you would ask me, hey, when can we start talking about the draft? We're, we're getting that much closer, it feels like to just getting to an evaluation time for this team.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, to be honest, you know, a change on the roster or something could spur something. We're only one game below five hundred, and if the Broncos can just split these next two games, I think anything could happen with that final seven-game stretch starting to lighten up. But these next two games are... I mean, these, this three-game stretch, when we got the schedule and we started to see how good the Eagles looked and we were coming up to it, both of us were like, wow, this three-game stretch is probably the toughest any team has in the NFL. Broncos were more in the Chiefs game than I thought they would be. The offense, I mean, they ran the ball for 177 yards. The running game did great. Defense played great. Unfortunately, they had other parts of the team not, not come through, but it was a closer game than I thought. And going into the Eagles, I mean, a team that's feeling pretty good about themselves and a Bronco team that's down in a corner with a, a good defense and a proud owner or proud GM, I guess. So we'll see what happens. We'll break it down here, but I I'm not quite at that evaluation point yet. I mean, I'm obviously evaluations 365 days a year, but I'm not quite ready to mail in this season. If we get smacked, we go into in these next two games, then yeah, the huddle up draft podcast is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) It's coming back. But if, if uh, we're able to split one of these games or sneak out one of these ones that we're going to be probably uh, not favored in either of them, then, you know, anything can happen. That's, that's football. Anything can happen, especially the great defense, but we'll see.
0: It's true, and and like you said, maybe there's some big changes in the work. We we always record these shows on Tuesday night, and so we don't always get all the information quite in in time to to put it in here in the, in the podcast. But we we've heard some things of some rumblings that are going on with the team, and and things that needed to happen. And so uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see how this week goes, hear how practice goes, if if maybe there's a little bit better attitude a little bit more excitement about a possibility of the team winning. So it, anytime there's a quarterback change, there, there's always kind of that unknown. Every once in a while you have that guy that can kind of sneak up and catch the other team off guard because you change up the plays that you run and and what you love to do and and maybe just get a little more confidence back in the players. But we'll get into that as we go through the podcast. But before that, I want to let you know that this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. We will be bringing you these game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully, as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, we will be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter, at CarlDumlerMHH, as well as you can follow Nick, at NickKindleMHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at huddle up pod and make sure to check ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS sports digital network. Now we know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please Take the time to write and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. And we also want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's solely recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So, MyBookie.net. So go to mybookie.net and compete for great prizes, totally free. Nick, I was I was looking at the last time the Broncos played the Eagles, and I kind of forgotten, we, we played the NFC East back in 2013. And I think most Bronco fans should remember that was the historic Peyton Manning 55 touchdown season. And against the Eagles, he did not disappoint. Went 28 for 34 for 327 yards. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 146. And I think the Broncos won the game like 52 to 20 or something like that. It was it was crazy. Michael Vick was the starting quarterback for the Eagles back then, and Demarius Thomas had two touchdowns in that one game. I, we might actually be very happy if he has two touchdowns this season. Gosh, it, Carly, you're making me sad now. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 no way. Hey, I'm 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 gonna get his back up here. I. <laughs> Yeah, it's just these two teams, they've kind of kind of switched places a little bit. You know, Eagles have the the MVP caliber quarterback and the great start, obviously, being seven and one and Broncos here trying to figure out things, where they're going, what kind of team they're going to be. And and I, I'm with you. I I didn't mean to get people down with the whole, hey, maybe it's time to start evaluating the team uh, because we're we're not out of it. The, the Broncos are not even close to being out of it. The AFC is about as crazy as can be. I don't know, even know what's going on. I don't know who's going to win week to week. I do a, a weekly, you know, pick, pick the winners of every game. And then you have to rank them from your most confident at the top points and, and your least confident at the bottom. And I've done terrible this year because all of a sudden I'll see, you know, like a team like Jacksonville, they'll win huge one week and then lose to the Jets the next week. And you're going, what, <laughs> what is this team? Who is this team? And the Broncos are kind of that same way. Who Who are they? And, and we're, we're fixing to find out. As, as who's always, who always says that? I can't remember which coach always says that, but he always says, well, we're remember. fixing to find out.
1: Yeah, I can't remember.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's kind of where the Broncos are at. We're, we're, there's just a lot of things that are up in the air. We have a great defense for sure. There, there's no denying that, and we'll talk about that here a little bit more. But this offense, I mean, there, there's some great pieces. There really are. I, I, there's some things that give me hope. Like you talked about earlier, rushing for 177 yards. In Kansas City, that is great work by the offensive line. And and with that, I, I want to talk about some key matchups in this game because I really do think the Broncos have a chance to take advantage of some, some different matchups they have. There, there's some key areas that I think can make a huge difference, obviously. I mean, every game has that. But I think they, they line up well to be able to stop this, especially this Eagles offense. And it all starts with, for the Eagles, Carson Wentz. And, and, and the matchup for him against the no-fly zone. I talked about earlier, he is an MVP caliber quarterback right now, having a great season, 19 touchdowns, only five
1: interceptions. But he hasn't faced a, a secondary quite like this. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, Eagles, I mean, they've had a, not a powder puff schedule so far, but I don't remember any teams that they've played so far that has a defense quite like Denver now. I mean, I guess I've had Denver a top three defense right now. I would go... Not ranked at all, but Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Denver are all my top three defenses right now.
0: All very good choices. I, okay. I would agree with that. And and the only secondary, when I was looking at the Eagles schedule, that I would say would even come close to maybe being – I mean, they're not even close to the Broncos, but, but decently good would be the Giants. Yeah. And I would say that was one of Carson Wentz's worst games. He only had one touchdown pass. About sixty percent completion percentage. It just wasn't his best game, and so all of a sudden now, here comes the no fly zone with an opportunity. They're they're mad, they're frustrated. They want to go out and make some big plays. They keep talking about how we got to get those those game changing turnovers, and and so I'm thinking that they're looking to 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 really uh, put it here to to Carson Wentz and make him have to <laughs> to earn his his yards this game like they do every week, obviously. But, but this is a very interesting one. and and But I also think the Broncos haven't faced a quarterback quite like Carson Wentz yet.
1: Carson Wentz's play right now actually kind of reminds me of a young Big Ben, where he is being a very big, physical, smart with the football quarterback, and rolling off a good defense and a solid offensive line and taking deep shots. And that's working great for him. But I think that's something that might actually play in a little bit to the Broncos' hands. Uh, Jason Peters being out. They now have – we talked about this pre-show. I'm going to give it my best shot. Playing for Jason Peters at left tackle is Hala Puli Vati Vaitai, who is a second-year player from uh, Texas Christian University. Play, I mean, a solid player. But, um, I think he was taken in the fourth round. And I mean, he's, But he's no Jason Peters, so they're definitely going to miss that. And with that and as how Carson Wentz plays, you know, holding onto the ball a long time, taking shots, being, being a very strong guy in the face of pressure – but also putting himself up to some hits. I think that the Broncos secondary, making Wentz hold the football a little longer, along with uh, the improved pass rush with Shane Ray being back, might get to Wentz a few times. I mean, the Broncos have been playing some teams with quarterbacks that get rid of the ball very quickly. You know, not very many teams that rely on that passing game in the same way that the Eagles do, especially the down the field passing game. And I think that this, this kind of plays into the Broncos' hands defensively. So I think Wentz... I think Broncos secondary is going to provide a little bit of a wake up call to Carson Wentz this week. And I know I'm normally the the anti-orange sun uh, orange sunglasses guy, you know, try to be as realistic as I possibly can, but I think we've become a trap game for the Eagles and I really think our defense can punch him in the mouth a few times.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some stats for him that I thought were very interesting. Some some areas that like I said that the Broncos can make him uncomfortable and and one of those was he does really like to hold on to the football. He is 23rd in the NFL right now for snap to throw at 2.77 seconds. He loves to run around. He loves to buy a little bit more time because he is athletic. That is something the Broncos are going to have to respect is right now, technically, he is their second leading rusher with 42 carries for 203 yards at 4.8 yards per attempt. They did just get a giant in a trade with a fourth round pick. But I think usually that first week, they're going to have a limited role. He's not going to be a huge impact guy. They're going to have a small sample size, maybe 10 different plays that they're going to say, hey, learn these 10 plays. We'll stick you in. You'll maybe get that five carries or so or something like that. You know, just that's just kind of how it goes when you trade for somebody here midseason. It's always hard to get them acclimated to your system and to your players. But he does have a great running ability. He has that threat. And, and he mostly uses it kind of like you were talking about with, uh, with Big Ben. It's more just to buy extra time to, to get that big throw, to, to make the big play. And it's, it's just incredible to watch him <clears throat> manipulate the pocket. Something <laughs> we have been pounding the table for, for, for the Broncos. Get a quarterback that knows how to manipulate the pocket. Because they can make a terrible offensive line look great. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Peyton Manning, they have not had always top 10 offensive lines blocking in front of them, but they've made them look like top 10 offensive lines because of how quickly they get rid of the ball and how much they can manipulate the pocket with just a a quick step to the left, quick step to the right. That's all it takes. And and Carson Wentz, I'm impressed for a second year player of how well he can do that. But because of that, again, it, it allows teams to get some bigger hits on him. I think I saw that he's been sacked, I think, 22 times already this year. Something like that, and, and so he, he does allow pressure to get to him. And when pressure has been in his face, he has not been great. Right now, he is the the nineteenth best quarterback rating when pressured. He has also struggled against the blitz, only having the twentieth highest quarterback rating. So, uh, when I'm looking at a game plan mode, I know you're the Broncos this week, and and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but blitz the heck out of this guy, <laughs> and and make him have to to throw the football with guys in his face and I, I don't know. There's just some ways. I, I agree with you. I think this could be a real trap game. I kind of remember when, obviously, Broncos versus Giants. Nobody was giving the Giants any chance, and I think it really became this kind of trap game that just nobody expected anything from. And th- this could be that for the for the for the Eagles. Um, I'm trying to see they have at Cowboys after this one. I guess they got their bye week, but but sometimes even there players start getting excited of, hey, I got vacation coming up or just whatever there's a lot of distractions that can happen and so a non-divisional non-conference game these are the type of games that you're not really looking at big time at your schedule and and you don't know these opponents as much so definitely a trap game opportunity for the Broncos but Carson Wentz he is a weapon
1: I I remember you (laughs) you wanted the Broncos to trade up and get this guy didn't you? I was head over heels in love with Carson Wentz as a quarterback prospect. He was my favorite quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I thought he had the intelligence. I um, saw some interviews with him on a whiteboard, uh, just charismatic, exactly what you want from a quarterback. And then on top of that, a great athlete, uh, very smart with the football, um, ran pro-style concepts, clean footwork, pretty good mechanics. He had some of the upper body mechanics that he's ironed out somewhat this year that's helping him a lot. But I, I was a big fan of him, and once – The senior bowl rolled around and seemed like everybody was talking about him. I knew that we had pretty much no shot at getting him, especially with having the 31st overall pick that year. Thanks to the Patriots for cheating and giving us one spot up, I guess, (laughs) in that regard. (laughs) I always like to get a dig in on the Patriots if I can. That's for next week because we're just going to trash the Patriots the whole time. Screw them. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I was a huge Wentz fan. I still am a huge Wentz fan. I think if you put a gun to my head today, I'd say that Tom Brady's my MVP, but... Wentz is uh, definitely close in that regard. And if he keeps it up, I mean, he's got a chance to be that, that young face that the NFL has been waiting for. You know, everybody wanted it to be Andrew Luck, but the Colts have kind of festered that situation around him. But honestly, it could be that ginger that plays for the city of brotherly love.
0: Perfect. Well, I was also, with any kind of quarterback, one of the things that you're looking at is is also their weapons. And I thought that they had a very interesting set of weapons. I They have at wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and Torrey Smith and and these guys they seem more like uh, specialty players, specialty skills. You know, you got Alshon Jeffrey with his his great hands, that jumping ability, just that possession guy. Torrey Smith is a speedster, and Algalar is kind of that more a little bit of everything kind of guy. But their their number one wide receiver so far this year has been Zach Ertz at the tight end position. He's leading their team. And it's just crazy to think about the Broncos here. It's not only that they're playing three of the toughest teams in the NFL, but they're playing three of the toughest tight ends all in a row, Kelsey Ertz wow. and Gronk. And th- those are really, in my opinion, they're the three best receiving tight ends in the NFL right now. They, they just, they're incredible at what they do. And, and we already saw Kelsey just tore up this defense last week. It, it was, it was not pretty. <laughs> I hate seeing Kelsey do his stupid dances. Oh my gosh, I, I just, gosh, he, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's one of those guys. I just want to see somebody just, just level him and just remind him. I mean, it, we, you and I talked about it last week of he's one of those guys you can get into their head and the Morocco's just didn't do it. He just got to go out there and have fun. And, and, and so this will be a big week. That'll be one of the other kind of key matchups of how do we stop hurts because tight end still seems to be a problem.
1: Yeah, and I'd be remiss if we didn't mention their other tight ends as well. I mean, they had 10 targets to tight ends last week, and six of those went to Ertz. But they also use a fair amount of Brent Selleck and Trey Burton, who's a kind of a tight end halfback, fullback hybrid, hybrid who doesn't have great size but is a very good athlete. So the Broncos have struggled in this regard. Um, hopefully Todd Davis will be back this week. How crazy is it? We're hoping for Todd Davis back against tight ends. Uh, but Stop all hands on deck. And uh, they got some great weapons. And also I did want to point out, you know, you talked about Aguilar who's is starting to come into his own. I think he's playing better and better, especially since they traded Jordan Matthews and he's able to play slot more with some more free releases. I think he's not a guy who handles press coverage very well, but if you can get him some free release, uh, he has the quickness to make you pay underneath, but he also has the long speed to beat you over the top. But I got, I got to call out one of my favorite draft guys. I quote unquote discovered him or when I was like, Oh man, nobody in the draft community is really talking about this guy. He was a guy who put up a lot of uh, big touchdowns his junior year. I think he led the league in touchdowns over 30 yards. And he also was a special teams captain two years in a row. And he was drafted in the fourth round this year. See, talking about these Eagles fourth round draft picks, what's going on here. Uh, but Mac Collins. Remember that name I threw him out to him? Like, man, I really like this mm-hmm. Mac Collins guy. The seventh round. I mean, if the Broncos can get him in the seventh round, he might be a steal. Of course, after that, he starts to get a lot of hype because guys with great speed with that size and bat uh, intelligence and character. I mean, he's, everybody talks about what a great guy he is and the ability to play special teams. He went up, but recently he's been a guy who's been really just starting to get a great role for them. And when Carson Wentz is such a good vertical downfield passer and Mac Collins' ability to go over the top, he's actually started to take some of uh, Torrey Smith's snaps away, in my opinion, you know, younger, maybe even more explosive and a better down the field target in that regard because he has better body control and go up and get those 50-50 balls, so to speak, down the field. But Mac Collins is a guy that I think is... a. Uh, a budding stud he's never going to be you know obj or julio jones but i think he's going to be a good player and he's somebody that if he beats you once that can make or break a game because he's probably beating you for 60 yards it seems like i saw a stat
0: earlier that he has more yards than all the first round wide receivers drafted this year combined yeah which isn't saying much because they the first round wide receivers have just done nothing this year but yeah no he's been a nice weapon for them and a guy you got to keep an eye on i mean being that third, fourth option for them, fifth option, I guess, if you're counting Zach Ertz, th- that's, that's a nice weapon to have. And when you have a quarterback with a strong of arm as as uh, Wentz has, man, that that's just a big play waiting to happen. We, we talked about last week with – with uh, Tyreek.
1: College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a thousand dollar savings plan deposit for sixth through twelfth graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register.
0: Kill. That's just a big play waiting to happen. So you just got to be careful to to l- not let these guys get behind you. You want to keep them in front of you, and and they're gonna have to play maybe some some zone coverage to kind of make sure that they keep an eye on on Wince so that he doesn't take off running help out in the run game cuz Blunt is a is a force. <laughs> that man can can run over people for sure. And I don't know. Th- th- this will be this will be one of their tougher tests. It's not only that, you know, Wince is having to play, you know, the best secondary that he's going to have to face pretty much all year, but it's this might be the number 2 quarterback that the Broncos are going to have to play this year. Maybe the best. I, I don't know. It's, it's Tom Brady. He's right there. I got to give it to the to the veteran Tom Brady every year he comes. And, and, and I think the, the trade today or I guess it was yesterday of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's just a, a trust in, in Tom Brady that this guy's going to keep doing what he's been doing, that he's going to keep playing at that MVP level. But Carson Wentz, like you said, he, he's really climbing up there and to be in that top five quarterback, that young quarterback that takes over the game and the Eagles. That was such a huge trade for them, has really changed the entire franchise with that one trade. And I keep telling people this is why this is why I'm not willing to give up on on Paxton Lynch quite yet, because if he can turn into even an average quarterback on his rookie contract, you got yourself a golden ticket to surround that guy with a lot of talent and you can go win a lot of games that way. I know it's a long shot, but I'm I'm still holding out that just sliver of hope. And I I don't think he's going to get to play in this game. I think even Vance Joseph kind of said, hey, he needs a couple more weeks to knock off the rust, get a few more practices under his belt. So I don't think it's going to be him. But, man, I I just kind of hope to see what he has just to see if maybe, just maybe he can be something. Because Carson Wentz, this is what you get when you get a great young quarterback that can lead a team.
1: Yeah, and it's just, again, making me sad that he's not a Bronco because that was my dude, hyping him up all about him. Like, then Wentz is going to be the guy. This was back when people thought Wentz was like a third or second round pick. I'm like, take this guy in the first. He is seriously good at football. And then he went to the senior bowl and killed it. And I guess, well, the rest isn't history yet. But so far, Eagles are looking very smart. And Jeff Fisher, for taking Jared Goff one pick before, is looking very much like Jeff Fisher. So I guess, I mean, there's nothing else you can say about that, Mr. Eight and eight. Do you celebrate Jeff Fisher Day in your household? I do not.
0: I didn't know there was a Jeff Fisher Day.
1: Yeah, dude. August eighth, eight and eight every oh, yeah. year. It's like we all put on uh, mustaches, talk about mediocrity, and how good offenses used to be. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That this he's uh, he is. I don't understand how he had a job as long as he did. He's like in yeah. the top five for wins all time, but he's also like top three for losses all time.
0: Some guys. I so, we were talking with that with with Eric. I know we're getting kind of off topic here a little bit, but but this is important to football too of just how much the game is changing and, and the teams that are willing to to find those, those young coaches that are willing to adapt to their players and, you know, say a quarterback coming out of college. There are so, m- there are so few guys that are of that traditional sit-in-the-pocket, make-the-throw, Tom Brady types anymore. It's just not college football. And, and so then you try to bring in a guy and then make him become that. You're just asking for trouble. There, there's not a lot of guys that can make that kind of transition. And I think it was even the the Chargers' coach, their new head coach, was talking about this: that you need quarterbacks that can be that dual threat. It's not that you want them to take off running, but just the threat of it makes a defense have to play you completely different. And and so yeah, the the game's changing. Guys like Carson Wentz that can have that running threat at least can can run around enough and and throw guys off of himself, manipulate the pocket. That that's becoming the new NFL, especially with. Yeah, and especially with how bad offensive line play is, yeah, you need a quarterback that can can play off schedule. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> and and talking about playing off schedule here, this Eagles front four, they are a, a monster of a unit to handle. Nice transition. Especially, thank you, thank you.
1: That was nice. That was well well done. Thank you.
0: Continue.
1: Sorry to interrupt.
0: <laughs> no, you're good. Every once in a while it happens, but no, this this Eagles front four, man, it, they are one of the top five defensive lines in football, in my opinion. They have pass rushers, they have run stuffers, and, and it all starts with this guy, Fletcher Cox. I've had very few players in my life, or my, my, my short time of really being in the draft, that I have really pounded the table, like, please, trade up. If it takes an extra first-round pick to get this guy, go for it. And I've always been, you and I have differed a little bit on this, I've always been big on it's harder to find that interior pass rusher. And if you can find that guy, he is worth his weight in gold. Even when they're 330 pounds, if you can find that guy. And, and Fletcher Cox, he was one of those guys I pounded the table for the Broncos to trade up for because he just looks special on tape coming out of college. He has power. He has speed. He has everything you could want in an interior guy. And I, I've always actually kind of felt like the, the Eagles, the start of his career kind of misused him. Because they had him in this kind of two-gap system, which he did fine at. I mean, he wasn't bad at it, but I felt like it was not using him to his full potential to actually get after the quarterback. And now they have him getting into a little bit more of an attacking system. And I just look at this pass game for him. He had 33 pass rush snaps, and in that he had one one sack, two quarterback hits, and six hurries. So pretty much about one-third of the time that a quarterback dropped back, Fletcher Cox was in his face. Oh, my God. <laughs> So <laughs> Brock Osweiler, you're going to see a lot of this guy or, or whoever's starting. Sorry, I, I shouldn't say. I mean, I, I'm kind of guessing of of who the, the starting quarterback will be for this upcoming Sunday. But whoever it is, you're going to have Fletcher Cox coming after you. And and I know maybe he'll he'll have times where he's lined up against Leary and that'll be an incredible matchup to watch. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that because two premier guys, especially in past protection and past rush going at each other, but there's going to be other times that he's going to switch sides. He's going to get against uh, Garcia, uh, some other guys. I, they're, they're just going to do that. They're going to find the easier matchups to get their premier guys an opportunity. The Fletcher Cox, pay attention to that name. I know he's already gotten a pretty big reputation, but he is, he's not talked about enough when it comes to premier defensive players. In my opinion,
1: would you agree with that? Uh, I was, I was prepared to say that I think Fletcher Cox might be the most underrated interior defensive lineman in football. He well, there is go. phenomenal. Yeah, and I Man, was totally we did even with talk you. about that. We both agree with it. <laughs> yeah. No, Fletcher Cox is phenomenal. He's my type of defensive lineman. Quick, twitchy, mean, athletic ability to change the game in the past, uh, the past game, any single snap he's in there, and uh, stout and strong enough that he can be a weapon in the run game as well. He's not a guy that you want just occupying blockers so the linebackers can float the ball you want him attacking, you want him getting after the quarterback. And he is, I mean, he's the the linchpin of that defense. There's no other way to put it. Um, I also think Timmy Jerrigan, who they traded for from Baltimore is playing pretty good football this year. He's more of their under or their nose tackle type. The, uh, the guy who's eating blockers being stout in the run game. He's playing good in football. Uh, Bo Allen was hurt uh, last week um, on the injury report, but he has a foot injury he's been dealing with, but he's been playing pretty well. He's a load. For uh, come, came out of the University of Wisconsin. I think he's about 330 pounds. And then he got their plethora of edge rushers. I mean, they got some really, really good edge rushers. You want to talk about another underrated uh, player on that defense? Brandon Graham, probably one of the least talked about pass rushers in football. But that guy just gets after the quarterback constantly. I think there was a little bit of a, an uproar this year. I remember in the uh, the Madden rankings. Do You remember this? I know Brandon Graham don't. was like Brandon Graham was like a 96. And everyone's like, who the hell hell is Brandon Graham? (laughs) Go go watch the tape. I mean, that dude is really just stout against the – he's a perfect 4-3 defensive end. It took him a while to get there. Um, He came in, I believe he was the 13th overall pick, and he was not not great his first few years. I mean, he always had the athletic potential, especially at his size. He was a very good size for that 4-3 defensive end. No, not super long, but stout and strong. But these past couple years, he has just been one of the best 4-3 – uh, defensive ends in football. And I, they like to move them around. They like to flip them sides, but whoever the, whoever he's lined up against, whether it be Watson or Bulls, they're going to have their hands full because you can't really, you can't double when you have both Graham and Cox rush the passer. You can't double both those guys and run a and, and offensive scheme, at least every single play.
0: Right. Right. No, that, that's the big part with all these, these guys, Fletcher Cox, such a, a great guy against the run and the pass. Brandon Graham, I agree with you. He's one of the most well-rounded defensive ends in all of football. I think that's the the part everybody looks at the pass rush numbers of how many sacks did they get, and he's not a huge sack number guy, but he's, he gets pressures though. Uh, he does, and that that's the thing is he that that pressure can be just as good of a sack. Sometimes it can almost be better because it actually leads to an interception. Those kind of things, but yeah, he he just he makes plays. He last year I saw this stat he had thirty three run stops. Only Khalil Mack at the defensive end position had more. And that's such an underrated tool for a defensive end. When they can can get a, a team into second and third long, it, it just completely changes the whole playbook. It limits the type of plays that you can run. And and so having those kind of guys, and then Vinny Curry, he has also been, I don't know, he's really turned it on this year. I've been very impressed with him. He's been a top five run stopper at the defensive end position. And they just, they have playmakers that can do everything. It's it's usually you have those specialists of either they're a run stopper or they're a pass rusher. And when you can find those guys that have both, you hold on to those guys. And and that's the Broncos have missed that this year and last year when Malik Jackson left because he was one of those guys. He he was great against the run and the pass. And just not having that second guy opposite of, of Derek Wolf has really hurt the Broncos. I think Adam Gotsis is starting to get there a little bit more. He's more of a run stopper than a pass rusher. He's still got to work on getting more technique wise uh, good at at what it takes to be a pass rusher, but the talent is there. But like you said, it sometimes takes these guys a little bit to develop that. They have the athleticism. It's just a matter of they need to learn the technique to actually win. And right now the Eagles, they're set up perfect for this defensive line. And man, that that's <laughs> for for whoever the quarterback's gonna be, this is gonna be a, a tough unit. Because, they're, like I said, they're good good against the run. This is going to be one of the tougher units for the Broncos to actually run against. So the quarterback's going to have to go make some plays. And I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens there. But they're going to give some pass passing opportunities. They're going to work to stop the run. I know they will. Just like every team has. And uh, we'll see how this offensive line holds up. I think uh, we had earlier earlier today some people making excuses, I guess. or I, It's not really making excuses. It's just being frustrated with where the Broncos are at right now and commenting about how the offensive line was terrible yesterday. And I thought they had one of their best games. The more I watched the game, the more I thought that they had a really great game. And and some of the great stats that I saw was that Simeon had the sixth longest. What was it? Can I pull it up? The sixth longest time from snap to throw in the pocket. That's what it was at 2.42 seconds. The NFL average was 2.31 seconds. So that should just show you how how quickly quarterbacks have to get rid of the football. They have to make quick decisions. And and the offensive line was giving Simeon above average time in the pocket. And then he also had, beyond that, what was the time before pass. This is snap before pass. His was at 2.9 seconds. The NFL average in week eight was 2.5 seconds, or 5-6 seconds. So he had the fifth slowest of of time of kind of sitting in the pocket or getting out of the pocket before he threw the football again, just showing that he was holding onto the ball way too long and the offensive line was doing their job. But because anytime you have a quarterback that holds onto the ball too long, it it just, (laughs) it ruins the entire play. Everybody has a a clock in their head of, Hey, I have to hold this guy for, for such and such time, or I have to do this on this certain play. Like we kind of got into an argument among some of us mile high huddle people during the game there was one play, I think it was like a third and three play, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're right. And we saw the offensive line, and what they did was they tried to, to chop down at the legs of the defenders. And essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to knock a player to keep their hands down because they're trying to protect their body, and it opens up the, the middle passing lanes for the quick slant play, the quick comeback play, what, whatever kind of quick play you're trying to hit. Because when you have a third and three, you're just trying to get rid of that football as quick as possible. And Simeon didn't let it go. Now, that doesn't mean that, that he messed up in, in, in that sense of not trying to, to throw it to a receiver because maybe they were covered. He has less time in, in the pocket in that moment. And he has to either hit his receiver or throw it away. That's your two options. And that just didn't happen and it led to a sack. So th- those are the kind of things I'm talking about with this Bronco offensive line has shown pretty well at times. I'm not saying that they're great. They, they're, they're far from great right now. They have some major holes. Left guard. Left guard definitely needs an upgrade, right. Tackle definitely needs an upgrade, but they have three very, very solid pieces in paradise, Leary and, and bulls and, and Watson and Garcia. They have their moments. They really do. I've, I've had moments where I'm really impressed with what they're doing, especially on the ground. Right? Exactly. And yeah, when you rush for 177 yards play action, there was great time for him to be able to throw the football and I'm not trying to just completely bag on Simeon because that's that's happened to plenty already. I, I don't want to pile on even more. Um, but but again, this is going to be a great, great matchup for this offensive line. They're going to have to have another great week for this Broncos team to really stand a chance.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, just getting it back for full disclosure of the Eagles, they also have some great backup edge rushers as well. Chris Long, the son of Howie Long, former second overall pick by the Rams, played for the Patriots last year and is now with the Eagles. And uh, first round pick Derek Barnett, uh, number fourteen overall. So you mentioned Vinnie Curry's all of a sudden playing better this year. Might be the same little thing that happened with Alex Smith. You get a first round pick, high first round pick, uh, breathing a little heat on your neck, start to play a little better. So it's uh, it's a tough matchup for the Broncos offensive line. I think that they they blocked run blocked excellently last week. I mean, you know, we would love to have Watson be a better pass blocker, but. Make no mistake about it. He's a he's a pretty good run blocker. He's helping them a lot, pushing bodies. And uh, Paradise, Leary hopefully is healthy. He had that bicep injury. Um, sounds like it's not going to be serious. And uh, Bulls playing pretty well last week after playing his worst game of the season against the Chargers. So like the direction of the offensive line, as much as they get blamed on, I mean, there's work to be done, but we always, if you listen to this podcast, we always talked about it. It was going to be a multi-year project. You don't have that much turnover roster talent-wise and schematically, and expect it to just be fixed year one. It just doesn't work that way, especially with how teams need to develop offensive line these days. But they're going to have their hands full this week because this is, honestly, outside of the, uh, the Chargers, this is probably the second most talented uh, defensive line front four uh, playing, at least so far this season. But before we get any farther, we first want to say thank you to our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes, courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie is the greatest and, best of all, totally free, 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests... MyBookie.net goes beyond basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make members feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost to you. MyBookie is not a gambling or play for money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and competing for free prizes without any risk of your hard-earned cash. Just like the office pick'em contests and fantasy football, my bookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams by increasing the stakes. It is fun and for no cost for you. You get to make predictions and qualify for prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free, and we want to say thank you for my bookie. And we want to say thank you to my bookie for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. Now, getting back in, you know, I've been harping on the uh, the Broncos defense here, so talking about some of the matchups, the trench matchups. You know, we like to talk about, but something that the Broncos have absolutely been horrible at this year has been special teams, specifically punt coverage. They just have been giving up way too many big plays. Love Brock Lever, love the passion, but just, just not getting it done. They've Every single week, it feels like they've had some sort of costly mistake on special teams. Now, last week, it was more the uh, the returner in McKenzie rather than the, uh, the coverage units, although we had a big return by Hill that was mitigated or taken out. I believe it was a block on the back. Was it a block on the back or the holding? Do you remember? I think it was a holding call. A holding? Well, thank God for that because Hill was... Off to the races. Uh, I I thought he was gone for a touchdown. I was like, please just be a penalty on the darn Chiefs. Please be a penalty. Luckily, the gods answered me on that one. They haven't answered me much this football season, unfortunately, but they got me there. But uh, Eagles also have a good returner in uh, Kenyon Barner, former running back of the Oregon Ducks, one of those guys. I think he played with uh, Michael James. Remember that name? Back when they had Chip Kelly and all those fun running backs. And, of course, Chip Kelly brought Barner on to the Eagles because he wanted to make them. Eugene East didn't work out for him chip kelly so much but he's been killing it this year on punt returns uh second in the nfl so far this season in average yards per return with 14.6 um only jamal agnew has more uh for the detroit lions so barner's been very effective uh, consistently in punt returns uh, and the broncos coverage units gotta play better i mean with the offense struggling the way it is and you're turning over the ball like crazy you can't afford to give teams great field position time and time again and hurt this defense any more than they're already, you know, playing with their hands tied behind their back.
0: Definitely. And, and this is one of the worst stats that I've really seen for this Broncos team is the fact that right now they are 29th ranked in average starting field position, which is, which is terrible, but they're also 32nd in opposing team starting field position at 33.8 yard line. That that's the worst in the NFL. And a big part of it is these coverage units just not getting their job done. and, it's it's a, a combination of things. Riley Dixon one why In the world, are you even punting to Tyree Kill? Stupid. I, I, honestly, I'd rather have a, a 35-yard punt that goes out of bounds. It's at least guaranteed. He's not taking it for a touchdown. I, I just I don't get that kind of decision. And it's kind of the same this week of, of how can you punt to Barner? You know this guy is a playmaker. You know that you have a great defense. So why give the other team, the, the opposing team, an extra advantage by having this incredible field position where? One first down, two first downs gets them into at least field goal range. It just, like I said, it just makes very little sense to me. Some of the things that are going on are, are out kicking your coverage. I just, punters, I, <laughs> you got one job and it's not to go show off. How strong is my leg? I can I can punt at 70, 75 yards. Okay, well then they got 25 yards to run back up before a single person even gets close to them. Uh, it just, it drives me nuts. And <clears throat> I just, the, you're right, Olivo, I love his passion. I was so excited about that hire, especially after the first interview, going, oh, my goodness, this guy just, I, I'm i am scared. He's just going to go try to, I remember a couple of, the, I can't remember who it was, who scored a touchdown and then thought, hey, it'd be really fun to go run into the the crossbar and knocked himself out. Do you remember that play?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Yes, I said it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I feel like with Oliva. Like he's so pumped up. He's just going to take off running and until he runs into something, it's not, he's not going to stop. And so, yeah, I was very, very excited, but his units got to be better. He has got to get a, a fire lit underneath him or maybe it's not even getting a fire lit underneath him. It's just, Hey, do your job, do it right. Because execution wise, they have just been terrible this year. And and it's putting this defense in a terrible spot. Even if they get a stop, then that means the de- the offense is in terrible spot because, well, they're backed up and can't have McKenzie fumbling. It's just special teams in general. This has been one of the more frustrating years I've ever seen for the Broncos, and especially this punt coverage unit. Broncos got to be careful because a punt return that's that's really flips everything, completely changes the game. It really does. And I don't know. It, it just one of the areas the Broncos have to fix the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's something that you can't really get into that much detail with i mean i guess we could go over the philadelphia eagles um backup tight ends and linebackers and talk about how they make an impact in special teams and how our injuries to the linebacking core have definitely hampered our special teams ability and cody latimer being out etc but i mean you (laughs) pretty much sums it up You, you gotta be smarter with the football riley dixon's been disappointing this year i mean he's he's at the point right now how he's playing that he's definitely going to have competition next training camp. Like there's, his job is not guaranteed. He's not playing well enough. And if Kenyon Barner house is one, this offense has not shown to be good enough to overcome that. It's, it sucks. <laughs> no other way to put it. It sucks, but just not playing well. So Bradley um, Dixon, you've been put on watch play better. All right, but yeah. that brings. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead.
0: You got it. All right. Well, that brings us to our, our last key matchup. And maybe I should have put just the, the cornerbacks in general, versus our wide receivers for this game. I'm, I'm hoping Sanders is back. I know he's pushing hard to, to be back on the field, but but this Eagles secondary, I, I've actually been very impressed by this this young kid, Jalen Mills. Do you remember, remember scouting him too much, played for LSU?
1: Yes, I do remember him, and he was a guy that was pretty highly touted by uh, draft and and like, the t- Twitter draft scout people, but then he ended up being drafted, like I think, in the seventh round he fell a long way and a lot of people were confused and he's had it. He had his ups and downs last year. I believe he was one of the most targeted players in football last season, but kept getting back up, showing strong mentality, resolve, and uh, been playing good football this year. He did stick out to me when I watched the Eagles.
0: Yeah, he's already had three interceptions this season and 10 pass defenses. And he scored a touchdown this last week. He, (laughs) He was interviewed afterwards talking about it. And he said that his teammates were making fun of him because they didn't think that he had very good punt return ability. And they said, I was thinking about that as I'm about to run out of bounds. All of a sudden I was just like, Nope, I got to prove them that I can, I can be a good punt returner. And so he just cut across the field and just surprised everybody at like the 10 yard line to go score a touchdown. Uh, <laughs> just crazy. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of fun reading that story, but yeah, he's having a great second year here and a very nice diamond in the rough. I guess you could say I, It's hard to say that because, like you said, he was very well thought of. He, uh, I think, wasn't he an All-American in, like, 2015 or 2014? I think he was. Maybe he was I know he was pretty well. He had his – and I I know some of it of why he fell was because of an injury. He broke his fibula and tore some ligaments in his ankle and just never – the pre-draft process, he never quite showed that elite skill. He had a a 4.6140. And really for most cornerbacks, anything b- higher than like a 4.55 just drops a player big time, just kind of how how the draft world works. And But I, I did hear at his pro day, he ran like a 4.48, so showed a lot more improvement after a month more of recovery on his ankle. But I, th- I think some teams were a little worried of how is that ankle really going to hold up? And And so far it's held up well, and he's provided just that nice little spark of being that number one cornerback because... They've had some injuries to the position. Ronald Darby that they traded for got injured and, and they've been been missing him. But this is this is a game where I really feel Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, if he plays, they have to go win this game because I do know Eagles are going to line up to to stop the run. Just pretty much how every team's going to try to play the Broncos. Make the quarterback beat you. And <clears throat> DT and Sanders, to me, they they have to go make a big play. Make that contested catch or make somebody miss to turn a, a five yard pass into a, a 40 yard pass. I just, we haven't seen that a whole lot. And for them being those Pro Bowl style all star players at the wide receiver position, I just I haven't seen them make those big plays like we saw earlier in, in like DT's career when he was with, well, even with T- Tim Tebow, taking that 80 yard touchdown, making somebody miss. Or with Peyton Manning, I just remember that oh, that seventh touchdown against Baltimore, where they just threw a quick screen pass and he just made about two people miss and he was gone. And I I just want to see that. And I'm hoping because I think Brock Osweiler, if he's starting, or Paxton Lynch, I think both of them are a lot better at the screen pass. I'm hoping that we'll see a little bit more of that in this game. So maybe that could be brought back a little bit more. But I I just want to see these guys go out and and beat these guys because. Jalen Mills is as good as he has or as good as he's had a season this year. He still can be beat. He's still young. He can fall for different things. And and whoever has the other matchup. I'm trying to remember who they have now starting Patrick Robinson, a guy that's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. He can be beat big time. So these guys got to go win for their quarterback and and just make a play, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I'm with you and the Eagles secondary, maybe by the end of the year, but going forward. They're going to get much better because they have first round talent, second round pick Sidney Jones waiting in the wings. Who is my second overall cornerback last year. My number one cornerback last season, Marshawn Lattimore has potentially been one of the best cornerbacks in the league this year. Not to toot my own horn. My number three, <laughs> Trinavius White <laughs> has been playing great. Yeah. It, Marshawn Lattimore has been the truth. He's been incredible as much as like Jalen Ramsey gets hype and Marcus Peters gets hyped. Marshawn Lattimore, I think has been better than them. That's honest to God truth. Um, Granted, you know, that's my opinion, so take it for <laughs> as you will. But I, I think Marshall Latimer has been incredible. I'm huge on him. And uh, Tradavius White was the other guy I was high on, and he's been killing it with Buffalo. But my number two guy was Sidney Jones, and he's uh, not coming back not back yet, but they got talent there. And they also traded for uh, Ronald Darby, who has been on the injured report. And I don't think he's expected back yet, but when he comes back, if you toss that in with uh, Jalen Mills, whew, that secondary becomes instantly way more scary. And then, of course, uh, Malcolm Jenkins over the top, who's one of the... Uh, Again, a really good safety, uh, first overall pick, not first overall pick, first round pick by the Saints way back when. Um, didn't really have it at cornerback, you know, just didn't have that quickness, that recovery ability. But they moved him to safety, and it was, it was money. He's been one of the better safeties in the NFL over the last 10 years. And uh, he's somebody that if you are not careful with that football, he will read your quarterback and take it away. So you said it, uh, Sanders needs to step up, DT needs to step up. And if, if listeners remember, we, Carl and I were both impressed with Benny Fowler how he played the first quarter of the season. I'd take back everything nice. I said, oh my God, I was pulling out my hair this weekend. The ball's like, they pretty much could have hit him in the face. He wouldn't have caught it. Like horrible, horrible drops. Granted, you know, your erratic quarterback play, everything like that goes into it. But man, come on, Fowler. So the Broncos receivers, you know, whoever's quarterback, you know, we've, we've heard rumblings. There might be a change, but we can't, you know, confirm it yet. Uh, but if it's Osweiler or anybody, you'll know, go help that quarterback out because he's going to have to get rid of the ball pretty quickly with the uh, Eagles defensive line. So, but yeah, moving on, I think we should uh, get on to the uh, X factor here. And last week you went A.J. Derby. Didn't go out that great for you. I mean, he did have that <laughs> garbage time touchdown, but garbage garbage time stats rant here real quick. I don't want to take too much longer, but garbage time stats are the most annoying thing because then people will look back at somebody's season-long stats or back at their game stats and be like, wow, this dude had six catches for... 60 yards and a touchdown he had a solid game and it's like well four catches and 40 yards in that touchdown were in the last five minutes of the game that literally didn't mean anything so garbage stats yes but just annoying i hate that especially when people are arguing quarterbacks or anything you know well, there's a reason that so-and-so has put up three 300 yard games because he's thrown the ball 60 times every time 70 you know it's not it's not that he's killing the league it's that other defenses are playing a certain way so the game is synergistic it's all like that. But anyway, Yeah. Uh, sorry about that mini rant. It's just annoying about...
0: No, you're fine. And that's Blake Bortles, his one great year stats-wise. Most of that happened in garbage time, where his team was down by 30 really early in the game. Yeah. And and teams just played, you know, not to get beat over the top. Cover four. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, AJ Derby, I, I was just hoping with Sanders out and, and just Eric Berry not playing obviously with, with his injury, I just thought the tight end could have a bigger role in this game and, and AJ Derby, he's had some really nice catches. He's had some really nice plays for the team this year. I just thought, yeah, that they would maybe target him a little bit more and they just, they really didn't, they didn't really look over the middle of the field a whole lot. And when they did, it was usually throwing into like triple coverage. So not, not my favorite game for that. And yeah, he just, he didn't make the impact that I was hoping maybe this week they, they need it.
1: Yeah. And, uh, the Eagles are without Hicks, who is one of the better coverage linebackers in the NFL. He's on season-ending IR, so they've had some serious injury. Hicks is a guy that's not really well known. Being a fan of the AFC, you know, you don't really hear all these good players for these NFC teams, especially the NFC East. But uh, Akeem Hicks, linebacker from Texas, been great for them, and now they got—they still have uh, Kendricks, who they're looking to trade this off season, Maybe Micah Kendricks, and they're probably really glad they didn't, because now he's playing a much bigger role and uh, Nigel Bradham and Joel Walker. So there's a lot of guys who, you know, not really well-known linebackers. So I think this is a week where the tight ends definitely have to step up and play better, and Derby could be that guy. My guy was Justin Simmons, and he had, I would say he had a solid game because it wasn't him getting beat, I feel, at least from what I remember. Um, It wasn't him getting beat consistently by Travis Kelsey, but the reason I picked him was because of Travis Kelsey, and I feel like Kelsey, most of his big plays came when Smith was able to buy time. Uh, Smith did a great job stepping up and uh, using the the natural arc of the edge rushers to find uh, pockets to escape um, in between that guard and the tackle, that little area that opens up naturally with quick pass rushers, and uh, also in zone coverage. There was a one, I think, where Darian Stewart got beat as well. So overall, Justin Simmons had a good game, but the main was uh, stopping Travis Kelsey. Wrote an article about that where Travis Kelsey is the, probably the best tight end in football right now, and if you stop him, even with the Broncos offense playing poorly, you got a chance to beat the Chiefs, and... They weren't able to do that, so unfortunate. What can you say? Uh, This week, I went with Shane Ray. He had kind of a ho-hum comeback game last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, it's kind of how the Chiefs play football. They are running it a lot. Alex Smith has not taken a lot of uh, seven-step, long-developing pass plays, and an edge rusher like Shane Ray is not going to have too much of a chance to make plays, especially when the Broncos are down by that much that early. That just plays into the offense's hands and really nullifies those edge rushers people complaining about von miller not being worth your contract i don't normally say this on podcasting like this anything like this but shut up you are so wrong von miller is worth his contract and it has everything to do with how teams are scheming against him and the flow of the games the reason he's not getting stats he's still getting pressures at like 50 percent of his snaps it's just he's playing honestly some of the best football i've ever seen of his career he's just not having the ability to make the plays because the offense is stinking and we're getting behind early anyway another rant gone Shane Ray is my <laughs> Shane Ray is my X factor and with how Wentz holds on to the football and um the gosh I already closed the tab I'm not going to pronounce the tackle from TCU's game high tie is his last name I'm not pronouncing that first name high tie first year player kind of slow uh Shane Ray's got a chance to really win that matchup and get Carson Wentz so I think Shane Ray has a chance to have a big game this week along with Shaq Barrick and Von Miller granted whoever's against the right tackle is going to struggle some because Lane Johnson is for my money the best right tackle in football but uh Whoever's against that left tackle, you got to win that matchup and get to Wentz because he's a guy who's going to stand in that pocket and hold on to the football and look to make plays down the field. Great for that offense. Love quarterbacks like that, but you're going to get a chance to hit him, and you better freaking do it.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's good. And I, I was really shocked at how much they played Shane Ray. I saw that they had him in on over 80% of the defensive snaps. So for a guy that was on a snap count, <laughs> that didn't really sound like it was. And and maybe because the game was a little bit closer, and they thought they are going into the second half. They decided they needed to, to really keep him out there because he is that playmaker. But I don't know. I, I You and I are both such big fans of Shaq Barrett. I would have rather seen 50-50 snaps for both of them. But that's just my preference on how that goes. And But my choice this week is, and, and this is kind of a, a cop-out, I guess, because it's it's the easy answer. Whoever the quarterback is, the Broncos need a spark. They, they need somebody that's willing to, to stand up and, and – If it is Brock Osweiler, I would say he's got maybe one to two games here to really prove himself. If they lose these couple games, then it's probably going to be Lynch because he's going to be ready. If Lynch is ready, then he's got the rest of the season to prove that he's the the future of the position. I mean, whoever it is, this is this is career right here in in a lot of ways. I mean, it doesn't mean that if they fail here, all of a sudden everything's completely done. But but this is a big moment for whoever the quarterback is. And this team needs Somebody to step up and be that leader and, and that voice that kind of calms the locker room because players have talked about it. I mean, they're they're being very open about it. There is high tension in that locker room. And there should be when you lose three games in a row and you're one of the greater franchises out there. And, and this isn't just being a Bronco homer, but th- there's expectations when it comes to the Broncos, Super Bowl or bust. And right now they're not living up to that kind of, of expectations or or whatever you want to call it. So, getting that spark, whoever it may be, and and really going out there and showing, hey, I still got something to, to prove in this league. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm just the last few weeks, I've just kind of expected Broncos are going to to stink. This is the first week in a while that I've kind of gone, hey, I think maybe something could happen here. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's just the. The optimist in me—I'm always, for the most part, optimist. I know I started out this podcast a little bit down, but I'm getting more optimistic the more we go through this because I'm going, man, I see some matchups, I see some things here that the Broncos could really exploit and and have a chance to to shock the NFL world.
1: Yeah, good one. And I'm—I mean, we've heard—I'll edit this out if it doesn't happen, but we've been heard it's going to be Osweiler. So I mean, not a big surprise here. Lynch is still a little bit off, and why? I mean. Anybody who thought I was going to be Lynch, when Schefter, I think it was Schefter who said that it'd be potentially Paxton Lynch. I was like, what? That guy has not practiced more than like a week and a half. He's going to be rusty. And you want him to come in with his first two games going to be against the Eagles and the Patriots? I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, on to game plan mode. This week, I get to be the Broncos. And I kind of already talked about it offensively, but I'm going to be using the tight ends and the running backs as best I can. I really love how they use Booker as a wide receiver. He's actually really smooth as a route runner. And I'm isolating those linebackers, pretty much using the, uh, the Bronco method to, uh, to beat – or how, how I've always used to the Broncos. But got to isolate those linebackers and uh, continue to run the football. I know that it's not always going to work, especially with a stout defensive front like this. I think these are the number one and number two teams in uh, run defense so far this season. Um, but run game still going to be opening up the pass game. And even though it's, you know, different quarterback, um, different skill set, different kind of player – Run game is that one universal truth where, you know, you, you really hope that you can get it, and uh, it op- opens everything else up. So for me, running the football consistently, effectively, with the offensive line that's better at run blocking, and then uh, using the running backs and tight ends against those linebackers and just not letting those pass rushers beat you.
0: Right now, th- this, is, this is the hard part for me with this game plan mode being the, the Eagles because I don't officially know who the starting quarterback is. Let's just go, Brock. Okay, so if we if we go with Brock, I would say that the Brock has a little bit better deep ball than than Simeon. So I'm respecting that a little bit more. I'm willing to keep my safeties back a little bit more, but I'm also still working to to stop the run game and just hey, this guy hasn't played since last season when he was with Houston in the playoffs. And and somehow beating, well, I guess they lost later on, but but beating the Raiders, I always want to remind people that Brock Osweiler beat the Raiders in the playoffs their first time in like 15 years. And then you get beat by Brock Osweiler. That's great. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm wanting to see, Hey, can this guy knock off the rust? And so I'm trying to play a little bit of tight man coverage. I, I feel like I have some, some decent corners and, and especially safety play over the top that I can trust and, and make Brock Osweiler beat me, make him go out there. And, and cause I, th- there's two things I'm expecting here, rust and him to be so amped up for his opportunity to go out there and start that he's going to have a few off throws that maybe early on you could get that, that pick that really just destroys all momentum. That, that's been a problem. You and I talked about this before the show even started of of turnovers that the Broncos have had of the early fumble against the Chargers. And then, of course, Jamal Charles fumbling for a, a return for a touchdown. Those are... are <sighs> that just destroys a game. <laughs> and when you do that in the first drive, it's just terrible. So I'm looking to get that that big first turnover right off the bat because Osweiler's hopped, hyped up, copped up (laughs) and, and just see what I can do to him. And, but I, but like I said, I'm, I'm working to stop the run. I'm, I'm loading up that box. I'm, I'm willing to, to sacrifice a little bit and, and just see is Osweiler the answer or, or is he going to fail as just like Simeon did?
1: Yeah. And we will see soon enough, but I mean, that's, that's huge. What can you even say? That's, that'll be huge. It's hopefully it's just a, a shot in the arm for the offense as well. I mean, not that Osweiler is better than Simeon. I'm not ready to make that claim yet. Although, I mean, he did start for an NFL team for a full season and won a playoff game and has shown traits, I think, that warrant him. Bronco fans are not a fan because he left the team. And, you know, they PR did a good job sabotaging his reputation in that regard. But I still think that Osweiler has some talent. Um, I don't think he's a top franchise quarterback, obviously. Otherwise, the Browns wouldn't cut him. But or are using the Browns as a competency barometer. Did you hear what happened today about them? Let's say, oh my God. They, they were celebrating that they got the deal done and forgot to sign the paperwork. Yeah, it's just, let's not use the Browns as a competency test. There's been plenty <laughs> of players who have left the Browns and then have been great. And and, GJ Ward- that.
0: and and think about their their understanding of quarterbacks. They had Carson Wentz, but they traded away the pick. Then they yeah. had, was it Deshaun Watson, traded away the pick. Yep. And, and so their evaluation of quarterbacks – I mean, the the one guy that they finally decided on in Kaiser, they've benched him, what, three times already this year? Yeah, he's shook. He's done. He kind of looks like Trevor Simeon right now, The completely lacked confidence. Right, exactly. And and there's just those times. Sometimes it takes a little bit for a quarterback to really have things completely click. I I, I got into this argument with a, a good friend earlier this week on sometimes with quarterbacks like Steve Young, Tampa Bay just thought, hey, this guy's a bust. There's nothing left in him. He gets with the right coach, right situation. Boom. Super Bowl winning quarterback. I'm not trying to say Osweiler's the next Steve Young or anything like that, but but there's just times where we we're, we give up on somebody way too soon. Or we just say, oh, man, they were, they were terrible at one point, so they're going to be terrible again. Well, that, that's not always the case. Sometimes a player will grow. Sometimes they just get in the right system. When they drafted Osweiler, who was the offensive coordinator of the Broncos? Mike McCoy. So they, they drafted this guy with the thought of he is going to grow in this system. And so, yeah, I, I think there's, there, there's some hope there if he is the starter or if Paxton Lynch is the starter, I, I think there, there's some hope. I, I've heard some really good things about what Paxton did while he was injured, that he didn't sit there and say, well, is was me lost the starting position. I, you know, I'm, I'm injured right now. I, there, there's just nothing, no hope for me. No, he went out Spent a lot of time on watching film, talking with coaches, asking questions, and and just some really great things that I I think show some some potential. Again, I, we don't know. Until they get on the field, we just don't know. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, this is just going to be just as bad. He's going to be just as bad as Simeon. Well, it doesn't get much worse than what Simeon showed in that Kansas City Chiefs game. Those, there were some just – I mean – his own coach said there were just some absolutely horrible, ugly. Uh, he, he went through a long list of of words to describe some of the throws that Simeon made. So it, it's hard for me to see that a, another quarterback coming in will do worse than that, but Hey, <laughs> anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, and, but, but at this point you have to do something. Yeah.
1: And, you, and you for the sake just, of Trevor Simeon,
0: you could tell, he's just toast. You could tell by his body language, there was one interception. You sent me that picture where both he and Vance Joseph, I mean, they both just look so defeated. It was, it was terrible. And so, yeah, I I think this is even just working to save Simeon and, and possibly benching him. So I I don't know. It'll be, be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, again, like I said, I'm, I'm working to, to see what Brock Osweiler has. I'm making him have to be the one that beats me. And, and if he does, well then respect to him. But I, I I just,
2: yeah, go
1: ahead. And it makes the Broncos' offense just more interesting again. Let's be honest. I'm going to be tuning in just to see if anything happens with Brock. It's almost like the Tebow days. Like, oh, what's going to happen this time? (laughs) Moving it right along. Broncos' defense, I am going to be sending pressure a decent amount. The Eagles do have some weapons, but I don't fully respect them, especially their outside weapons. And I'm just going to have to bank on the no-fly zone. And I'm getting pressure to hit Wentz, uh, not let him escape the pocket, almost play like a an aggressive contain where you send extra guys, but you're not letting him escape through those lanes and uh, doing what I can to stop hurts. I mean, gosh, every single week we talk about trying to stop the tight ends. And at this point I feel like we're not going to be able to stop them. We're just going to try to slow them down. Um, and also just playing aggressive attacking the football Broncos got two turnovers last week off of the chiefs who had only committed one so far last season. And that can start to feed a defense. I feel like the defense was starting to smell a little bit of blood last week. And I think they're going to come out and really look to show the league that they're not out of it yet.
0: Yeah, that makes all makes all the sense in the world. I, I have to go after, obviously, the the safeties and the, and the linebackers in this one. Zach Ertz, one of the best receiving tight ends in all of football right now. And that, that's a matchup. I'm just sitting there lipping my chops going, man, let's go get this guy 150 yards in this one. Target him a lot. And then, of course, just some of their backup tight ends. I, I'm going two tight end sets in this one because I want to keep Todd Davis on the field if he's healthy or if Zaire Anderson, if, if that's what it takes, because I don't trust that they're going to be able to hold up in any kind of coverage and, and just really challenge the safeties as well. Will parks. I think he had one of his worst games this last week. So I'm working to challenge him with another athletic tight end here in Zach Ertz, but for Brent Selleck, he's another one that, that has some athletic ability and yeah, just attack, attack that middle of the field, make them have to defend that and and show that they can do something about that and then once they start having to try to back guys off to to help out with that give them a healthy dose of of uh of blunt running up the middle and and really take advantage of being at home field advantage and and then every once in a while you talked about him earlier mac collins send him deep make sure that they have to respect that that deep ball the broncos did a great job this last week of of really containing tyree kill but Again, when you got so many different weapons, and and this has been a a real area of weakness, the Broncos, again, had another miscommunication or whatever you want to call it in the the secondary where Darian Stewart, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he didn't think that he had Travis Kelsey on that kind of deep post route or whatever. And wide open guy. They've had some seam routes beat them wide open deep because they just don't know who has who. So, again, I, I want to challenge that. I want to see hey, where is your communication? Let's go ahead and, and send these guys deeps in because Ertz can challenge the seam. Hollins can challenge the seam. Torrey Smith can challenge the seam. Aguilar, I mean, the list can go on here. They have some weapons. They have some speed. Use that to my advantage. And, and plus the two tight ends set, it also helps where I can maybe keep an extra guy in that maybe they thought was going to go out in coverage to help to stay in and block. Because, you know, their they're, they're new left tackle Bye. Yeah. We'll just go (laughs) by. We'll stick with, with that, that part of it. Uh, his last name there. I want to give him some help. Obviously I'm not going to leave him on an island. That doesn't make sense. And, and Lane Johnson, I'm just going to tell him, Hey, you got to go win this. You got to go beat Von Miller. And that that's going to be, that's a matchup. I'm going to keep an eye on. I, we, we didn't talk about that one a whole lot in the, in the match, you know, the key matchups of this game, but this one, that one is huge you talked about Lane Johnson being maybe the best right tackle in football. He's, I would put him in top seven of all tackles in football. Whoa. Well, I mean, now that Joe Thomas and Jason Peters are hurt. Right. Well, yeah, that, that, that helps with getting him up there a little bit higher, but he is just an athletic freak for being a tackle. He has strength. He just, he has everything you're looking for. And as long as he, you know, stays off the, PDs or whatever he's been suspended for a couple times here. But, yeah, he, he's going to be a, a guy that's going to have to win his matchup one-on-one, and and I was reading a stat the other day. He is in the top five in the NFL right now of tackles who received the least amount of help on a given play. So the Eagles completely trust him to go to win his job, and he's going to have to do that again if they're going to really stand a chance to keep – to keep the Broncos off of off of Wentz, because I I I'm with you. I, I think that's exactly what the Broncos should do on defense. Make Wentz uncomfortable, make him really have to work from the pocket where he can't escape out to the sides. Kind of almost like what they played Aaron Rodgers at. That was one of the best game plans I've ever seen from a defensive coordinator when we played Aaron Rodgers. Just amazing. And I, I would play Carson Wentz the same because I think they have a lot of similarities and how they play the game as a quarterback. But that—that's now I'm switching over to being – I just want to be the Broncos. <laughs> yep. <That went> off. <laughs> we do. We do. But, yes, I, I think this is going to be a, a great matchup, some strength on strength, weakness on weakness on, on both these teams. And I, I don't know. I, like you said, this is just a game I'm a little bit more interested to watch, a little bit more excited about to, to see that maybe this Broncos team can, can turn some
1: things around. And, and really shock the NFL world. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, it's uh, been kind of rough on them, but I'm, I'm feeling a little more optimistic. I guess we'll get the uh, predictions coming up here. But the, uh, what to watch for? Last week you said what cornerback could cover Tyree Kill, and for the most part, great job. Great job by the defense there. Only gave up 38 yards, and he did have one big catch for 25 yards, and he also did beat Chris Harris, where Alex Smith did just miss him. But overall, I'd say good job. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, mine was third down offense. The offense was solid, not spectacular in this regard. Five for 13, nothing to write home about, and wasn't really the, the real reason they lost the game. That had to be uh, turnovers, honestly. But, yeah, um, what can you say? The, obviously, those are two important things, and we weren't normally have been pretty good about, you know, our what to watch for has been, like, key in making the game. We didn't do as hot that last week, I'd say. Of course, granted, I've gone, like, turnovers two of the every other week, it seems like. So, not doing that this week for us. Uh, this week, I went with... Osweiler's pocket movement. Um, The Broncos' offensive line has been one of the worst uh, pass-blocking units in the NFL. I think Football Outsiders has him as the sixth worst pass-blocking unit. Um, But I think that's somewhat exasperated by the movement of Trevor Simeon uh, and the lack of confidence. I mean, he was kind of moving the first two weeks that he got hit a few times, and it just started to crumble. But something that I always appreciate about Osweiler, especially after that first game where he didn't do it, is that he climbs that pocket. He makes a real conscientious effort to climb that pocket and get out and just buy himself time as he can. He, I mean, it's not always the prettiest thing in that big six foot seven, six foot eight frame running around like that, but he does a pretty good job with it, I think. And I think with the Broncos offensive line, you know, again, not the best pass blocking and the Eagles having a great pass rush options. Um, Brock Osweiler's pocket movement, pocket mobility will all like really could just be the key factor that determines the game and could be the main thing that springs this offense forward. You know, just the ability to extend plays and deliver under pressure because that's something that Simeon has been absolutely horrible at this year. Worst quarterback under pressure in the NFL by far.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's a, a great thing to watch this week. I, I picked him. We've already talked about it quite a bit in this Broncos pass rush. This is one of the few games where they're going to have a quarterback that's willing to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. We've already talked about that quite a bit. But I just think this is an opportunity for them to, to really make a big impact, to really show that they're still a, a, an elite pass rushing unit with Von Miller, Shane Ray, Shaq Barrett. All these guys are going to have some opportunities to really get after the quarterback compared to, to weeks before. Where and, and I remember Chris Harris talking about this. He said, it's, it's hard. The reason we're not getting turnovers is these quarterbacks are just going two-yard routes, and there's not much we can do about that. We can come up and make the tackle, and that's about all we can do. And you talked about earlier of of (laughs) getting after some people who are saying, Von Miller, you're not earning your contract. Well, yeah, it's so hard for him to earn it when and and he's earning it. It's just the numbers aren't showing up like Bronco fans would hope. And it doesn't help when he says before the season, oh, I'm going to shoot for 30 sacks. And, well, obviously that's not going to happen unless some act of God comes and he has like a 15-sack game. But beyond that, it it just – that was unrealistic. It's just – Something that a lot of guys always say, of, hey, I'm going to have that 25-plus sack gear. And But he's still having a huge impact. They, there's teams that are double, triple covering him. There, there's stats out there that he is the most uh, – he's the, the, the pass rusher that gets the most help for whoever's the, the main blocker on him. They'll send a running back, a tight end, an extra lineman, whatever it takes. They always send an extra guy to help out on him. And, and he's still winning. That's what's crazy. We talked about it. There, There's still about 50% of the plays where he's still making an impact beyond just taking on extra blockers. So this is, like I said, this is a big week. He's going to have a lot more one-on-ones this week than he's had in past weeks. And so for him to go out there and, and win against Lane Johnson and the other guys against uh, Vitae, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Got it pretty quick there. That, that's going to be another big, big matchup for him.
1: Yeah. Before we get out of here, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 players. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Head on over there and uh, make sure you use that backslash huddle up because it helps the podcast and helps us expand our brand. All right, Carl, well, it's time for the predictions, and I'm just going to go for it. I think the Broncos are going to win this game. I've been negative about them. the past few games, but I think it's not even about the quarterback change. I just feel like our defense and the the youth of Carson Wentz is going to bubble, and I think the defense is going to smack in the mouth. He's going to throw a couple silly interceptions, and he's going to get back up there. He has that short-term memory, but I think that us being able to get an early lead and running the ball effectively with just the boosted offense with the new blood at quarterback, I think the Broncos come in there and shock the NFL, and I got them winning, uh, let's go, 23
0: to 17. Okay. Okay, good. You didn't take my score. <laughs>
1: okay. never mind. I'm ta- whatever you say. That's what I'm taking. <laughs> I,
0: I picked the score a lot. It seems like just cause I, I feel like it pops up a lot in the NFL. 24 to 10 or 24, 20. I was going to say 24, 21. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, uh, and, and Broncos winning. I, I'm with you. There's just okay. something, there's something in the air. Maybe it's, uh, I, I got snow today. I don't know if you got any snow. Hell no! No, okay, yeah, we we had we had our first snow of the year for for good old Halloween Day. Always fun to take your kid out in freezing cold weather. (laughs) But there's there's just something in the air. I feel like that that's kind of changing. This team is frustrated. They want to go out and get that win just to kind of calm things down a little bit. And I I think these guys are going to come out ready to play and and make a statement. And I. I just think the Eagles aren't going to take them as serious as they should. It just happens in the NFL. It happens in life. We, we can't be at our emotional peak at all times. And so there's always going to be those those few games where you, you just don't have your everything. I, I always hate those games where a team, like in that 2013 season, There's a couple games where Broncos were like a 14-point spread in their favor and everybody's like, Oh, they're going to blow them out. And I'm going, Oh no, this is, this is one of those games. It's going to be closer than, than people want to think about. And it just, I think that's just not having the emotional energy that sometimes you always do for, for other games. So yeah, 24, 21 Broncos, big win. Team gets a little, little bit of relief and and gets themselves into a nice, nice spot to, to maybe make a run for the playoffs.
1: Well, you heard it there. Carl and I are both picking the Broncos in a game that nobody else is probably going to. So we're probably going to be really wrong and everyone can come laugh at us. But I i don't know. Maybe it's a drinking a little bit more water, feeling a little healthier. <laughs> uh, nice walk today. Got some sun. Um, but I'm just I'm, – I'm feeling it. I think the Broncos are going to win this game. I don't know why. I feel like – and we're down We're down right now, but we're not out. So um, well, that will wrap up the Week 9 Preview Huddle Up podcast. Uh, QB change is looking and sounding like it's going to happen by the time you hear this podcast. Like I said, we have heard that they are going to announce Osweiler so we'll see. Um, can his offense get back on track with a new quarterback? Can they score some points? Can they get a lead in the first quarter? I mean, Broncos have not been getting leads. We're looking forward to, it, and we'll see. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, MHH and myself at Nick Kendall, MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on mile high huddle and affiliate of scout.com and the CBS sports digital network. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. Um, We also put up audio on YouTube, and we love to get comments from you guys. I will check those once or twice a week and respond to you. We have a good little group there who likes to respond quickly. Shout out to you guys. Uh, Really appreciate your comments on there. Just just love talking football. I mean, seriously, love talking football. Draft, NFL, I mean, we're literally doing a podcast on another team, and it sounds like we probably know as much, if not a little more than the average fan of those teams. Not to boast, but like, Football, 24-7, we will talk it. Not even kidding. 3 a.m., give me a call. No, don't, my girlfriend will get pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you. Um, Follow us on Twitter, at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. For Carl Dunbar, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We will see you next week, hopefully with a uh, Broncos win to get us back to 500. Go Broncos.
2: Mile High Huddle. you next time.